Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 through 27. And I do need to give a word of warning before we dive into this. And that is uh, something I say often. That is, uh, anytime we are taking something from the Old Testament and applying it straight to today without going through Jesus first, we're probably misapplying it. And I have to say that before reading this, because otherwise you might be tempted to take what this says right here and apply it straight to today without going through Jesus first. And if you do that, you're probably misapplying it. <laughs> so make sure that as we hear this, we hear this um, not as um, not just as they would have heard it then, that is helpful, but before we apply it, we have to hear it as those who have been uh, redeemed by Jesus and uh, as the one who has fulfilled uh, all the law and the prophets. With this in mind, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and we thank you for your word which you have given to us. God, we do pray that you would help us this morning to have ears to hear. God, help us to have minds to think and hearts that are ready to be changed by you, that we would be made more and more even this morning into those uh, in the likeness of Jesus, into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. As we pray in his name, amen. Uh, this is Exodus chapter twelve or chapter 21, starting in verse 12. And, uh, and this is when the people who have come out of Egypt and God has said, I will be your God, you will be my people. And now he's telling them how to live as his people. Uh, and he says this, anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are to flee to a place I will designate. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. Anyone who attacks their father or mother is to be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. If people quarrel and one person hits another with a stone or with their fist and the victim does not die but is confined to bed, the one who struck the blow will not be held liable if the other can get up and walk around outside with the staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time and see that the victim is completely healed. Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two, since the slave is their property. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the, husband, the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. An owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. I'm telling you. Um, and yet again, another uh, plug for coming on Wednesday nights to read through the whole Bible together. So when we hit passages like that, we actually get to talk about them <laughs> and what it looks like to uh, go through Jesus in our application to today. But for now. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37 is our gospel reading. And we get to 
Take a look at Jesus here. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. It says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. This is the word of the Lord. As we come to our sermon uh, passage this morning, we are looking at a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. As, as I've mentioned before, this is uh, Paul writing to the church that he started in uh, Corinth. And the, the big uh, question is, how are they to live now as followers of Jesus in a culture that is not following Jesus? So how are they as Christians to live as Christians, even if everybody around them isn't? And how are they to do this together? What does this actually look like on the ground there in Corinth. And, um, and so he's seen a lot of things thus far. Uh, but as we get to uh, chapter 7, he's been talking about uh, specifically matters that they wrote about and specifically there about marriage and uh, sexual immorality and that sort of thing. And in the middle of this, he kind of takes a step to the side to give some illustrations in this regard and this is what we get to today. It's one of these kind of asides. It actually has to do with uh, marriage, et cetera, but he's um, using two other examples, uh, that of circumcision and that of slavery. And so we need to hear this kind of within the context of the whole thing, and then we'll talk about how it applies to us. Here it goes. This is 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 17. It says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. All right. So on on the face of that, how does that sound? kind of sounds like uh, whatever your situation is, you should never, ever change that, right? So you should just be stuck exactly as you are, where you are, forever, the end. Let's go home. That's not what it's saying, though, is it? Um, there is, but, but he is saying to remain in the situation uh, that you were in when God called you. So what does that mean? What is he talking about here? And specifically, this is in the context, he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about somebody who um, is married, and they're married to an unbeliever, and then the unbeliever, or, and then they become a Christian, 
now what do you do? You're married to somebody who's not a believer. What do you do? And he's already said, you know, you don't need to leave that situation. Now, if they want to leave, you can let them. But you don't need to leave because, well, now I'm a Christian. I have to separate. I got to go somewhere else. No, you don't have to do that. And then he goes through these examples, uh, circumcision and slavery, and says, look, there may be uh, situations in your life where you think that what it means to really be a Christian is something different than what you are. You ever feel like that? You ever have this uh, perception of the whole world, of other people who are Christians, and you think to yourself, well, real Christians are like this, and I know myself, and that's not me, so maybe I'm not a real Christian. Maybe there were people who were thinking, well, the real Christians are the ones who are circumcised. That's who really the Christians are. Or maybe it's those who are not circumcised because, you know, it's all by grace. It's not by the law. So, you know, whichever one I am, it's probably the wrong one. I probably have to change the other. And Paul's like, no, you don't. God has called you, who you are, where you are, and you do not need to change that. Um, now, obviously there will be uh, things about our lives that will change, but as far as the... Uh, our status, like for example, when he talks about slavery, same kind of thing. If if you are a slave in that day, and uh, and you become a Christian, you go, oh well, all the real Christians aren't slaves. I I guess I can't be a real Christian until I get freed. No, you can be a real Christian, <laughs> like absolutely real deal, an actual Christian, even when you're a slave. But then there's the the reverse side of it, right? You might have people who are uh, actually not slaves and uh, they're free and they go, oh, but you know what? This is one of those high-low things. Maybe maybe what I really need to do is become a slave to somebody. Because Jesus, right, didn't he? He served and, and I'm not doing that. So maybe I need to go be a slave of somebody and that's what it looks like to really be a Christian. No, you don't need to do that. And then he actually gives the indication. He says, look, think about this. He says, uh, if you are, um, what is it? Uh, Yeah, if you are a slave, remember that in Christ, you are already free. Isn't that something? But then he also says, remember, if you are free, remember that in Christ, you are a slave. (laughs) But you're his slave. That's who we answer to. And so, um, when he's writing to this church in Corinth, you have what I think is a, uh, a common problem of always seeing kind of that grass is always greener on the other side, that sort of thing. The um, everybody else is one way, I'm somewhere. This is that whole social media problem that's really been uh, taking this thing about human nature and making it so much worse. Uh, which is the comparison between your life and somebody else's life. And so you look at uh, how they present themselves in public, and then you look at what you know about yourself in private, and you compare those two things, and you go, ugh. And then with social media, it's even that much more so because people can so much more carefully choose how to present themselves in public. And so then now we're comparing even a better version of other people versus what we know about ourselves. 
And the same thing is true in the Christian world. And so you see people who are all the time uh, doing things uh, or they're in a situation that is different than ours, and we go, well, I can't be a real Christian because I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I can't be, and so the, I can't be a real Christian. I'm not circumcised. I can't be a real Christian. I am circumcised. I can't be a real Christian because I'm uh, a slave, or I can't be a real Christian because I'm not a slave. And Paul's like, everybody is probably going to have some sort of that kind of uh, a feeling about the situation. But that's not of God. That he has called you where you are to a different way of life, to be sure. That doesn't necessarily mean to a different uh, situation in life, if that makes sense. So, for example, with a slave. Is a slave, uh, does a slave have to become free in order to be a Christian? No. But are they going to live different as a slave because they're a Christian? Yes. So there is a difference. But here's the thing. If they think that they have to get their freedom in order to be a real Christian, then that postpones living as a Christian until they get their freedom. Does this make sense? Following? Which means if you see somebody else and you go, well, I'm not a real Christian unless, you know, I'm a pastor or something. And then you put that up there and you're like, well, I'm not a real Christian. And then it's like, well, then until I become a pastor, I don't even you need to live like a Christian. So what? No, <laughs> where you are, you have been already called uh, to Christ there, which means wherever that is, you can serve him there. You can live for him there. You can live as a Christian, a real Christian, where you are. And this should be good news, but it's also, uh, it means we don't need to put it off. We don't need to compare ourselves to other people. And we don't need to put off living for Jesus where we are now. Um, the same kind of thing the other direction. You know, if somebody's free and they're like, oh, but I got I to gotta be a, a slave in order to, no, where you are. That's where you serve Christ. Now, again, is, uh, is he saying, hey, there's no problem with slavery? Some people have kind of taken it this way. Some people have used it this way. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he says to the one who's a slave, if you, if you can get free, do it, <laughs> right? Uh, where was it? Yeah, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. <laughs> but that's a secondary issue to what it means to be a Christian. In other words, uh, is it, uh, is it gonna, are things going to go better for you in uh, this life if you are not a slave? Yeah. And so he's like, look, you can change your situation. And you can uh, you know, change your situation you know, for the better, etc. But don't think that you have to do that to be a Christian that you can follow Jesus where you are. And even, even to the point of if you are a slave, you can follow him as a slave. Obviously, if you're going to be a Christian, if you can be free, then, uh, yeah, gain your freedom, do so. And so this is where it comes back around again and again, verse 24. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. 
Our discipleship does not depend on our situation. Does that make sense? Our discipleship does not depend on our situation. And that uh, really what this gets down to, this, this word remain, it's talking about remaining in the situation you are because of our identity in Christ. Which means we can remain in these situations because our situations don't define who we are. Our situation is the environment in which we live out who we are as Christians, as the disciples of Jesus, as the people of God. But our situation doesn't define us. So for those of you who are still in school, and you're like, oh, well, to be a real Christian, I have to be an adult. Nope. <laughs> you don't have to graduate from uh, high school in order to be a real Christian. You can be one right where you are. And for those of you who watch the young people and go, oh, they're the ones who really have it going on. They're the ones, you know, I have to, I, I got to be young again. I got to go back to school again. <laughs> you don't have to. Be a real Christian uh, just where you are. Because it is uh, not our situations uh, in life that define us. That's just the environment in which we live out our faith in Jesus. Turning then to uh, John chapter 15. When we think about remaining in our situation, and we think about why that's okay, it's because of what Jesus says in uh, John 15. This is that uh, discussion uh, the night before he go, with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on uh, to give more description of what it looks like uh, to remain in him, to bear fruit, and fruit that will last. But did you notice what he didn't say? In all of his description of you remain in me and I remain in you and you will bear much fruit? He didn't say they have to change their situation in life, did he? In order to remain in him, the slave doesn't have to become free. The free doesn't have to become a slave. The circumcised doesn't have to become uncircumcised, good thing. And the uncircumcised doesn't have to be circumcised. The situation that they're in, that doesn't have to change. And they can remain in Jesus. He can remain in them where they are. And where they are, they can bear fruit fruit that will last. This is uh, what it looks like to remain. And so I conclude uh, with verses 16 and 17 of John 15, where Jesus ends that section by saying, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. 
and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Can you do that where you are? Can you love God? Can you love others? By by Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you can be a real Christian. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we do thank you for your word which you have given to us, and God, we do pray that you would help us. Help us to uh, apply your word to our lives. God, help us to understand uh, better who we are by looking to you and by looking to your word. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to remember your amazing love for us, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, we pray that you protect us from all the voices that, uh, that try to steal uh, joy, the joy that comes from our relationship with you in Christ. by comparison. Keep us from comparison. Keep us from thinking that we have to do things that you've never told us to do in order to be the people that you've already called us to be. God, help us to follow you. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.